0: Welcome to The Verge Podcast, where we bring together groundbreakers and industry disruptors from various corners of the virtual world to ponder the future of technology innovation. I'm your host, Steve Wyhan with Divergent, and I have with me Edward DeVries, Vice President of IT Business Consultancy at SSM Health, a $7.5 billion annual revenue organization with 42,000 employees. Edward has over 20 years of business technology leadership experience, including working as a senior advisor at McKinsey and holding a divisional CIO role for a Fortune 500 company in the pharmaceutical services industry. Edward, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Steve. I'm excited to be here and look forward to a good conversation. Great.
0: Now, On a previous episode, we talked about the top priorities of healthcare CXOs as it relates to recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we're going to talk about another important challenge that leaders face, creating a customer centric and productive culture. We'll dig into some of the key considerations when shifting from a task oriented to a problem solving oriented mindset. Now, let me really quickly tell you why this is important. Now, it's, it's no secret that in the healthcare industry, we're plagued with a tremendous number of inefficiencies. We've talked about some of these on, on previous episodes, um, but as one example, most healthcare provider organizations survive on low single-digit operating margins. A modern healthcare article from 2019 noted that the median operating margin in 2018 was just 1.7%. In that type of environment, even small increases to revenue or decreases to costs can make a big difference. So let's talk about how we can make our teams more focused on improving these clinical or financial performance outcomes. So, Edward, I, I know from talking with you previously that you're a big believer in understanding your customer and even more specifically in understanding the value that you provide customers. In some circles, this is called the outside in perspective. Can you talk about how you make it a priority to have a great understanding of the value that you're providing customers?
1: Absolutely. So, within any business, including healthcare, The customer is the most important. So we're driving value for that external customer, for our patient. And if we don't think about what the end result is, what we're trying to achieve, we're not going to get there. So we have to share with our teams, what is the impact of the project or the process you're addressing? What does it mean for our patient? If you take one step back, a lot of us joined healthcare because we want to make a difference in the life of patients. So if we can drive that link between how the outcome affects the patient and the project we're doing, it also drives the motivation. Why are we doing what we're doing? And it will mean that we're going to aim at different things. We are not aiming to implement a new financial system, we're aiming to lower the cost to run our hospital system so we can spend more time caring for the patient. It's about aligning the outcome. What do we want to achieve? And that's critical in today's day and age.
0: Once you get your teams thinking about those outcomes and what the impact really is on what you're doing, how do you maintain that alignment between your customers and your teams?
1: So I would say a number of things. The first thing we try to do is we try to actually get our teams at some point on the floor in lean terms, you call this the Gamba walk. So we will say, take some of our people on the teams and actually make them go to a hospital registration and observe what does it mean for patients? Um, What's the impact we have on somebody's daily life? And then during the project, we keep going back to saying, well, if we do that, what is the end result? So the end result will be maybe, you know, the parent of this patient doesn't have to register twice or we can make sure we don't get any complications or medication or other things like that. You always have to tie it back to the patient impact And that will keep our our teams engaged. Additionally, we are a mission-based organization, so we tend to rally around the mission, which for us specifically is providing care for the poor and the vulnerable in our society. So that's also a great point to say, and how does that impact the care for for that specific group? For example, if we save this amount of money here, could we fund another food bank? Could we do something else we deeply care about? Um, But it's about constantly making it part of the conversation. Mm
0: So tying the overall initiative back to the end goal of the project makes a lot of sense to me, of course. But one question that I have is, how do you keep those end goals top of mind? In my experience, that's really difficult as you jump between meetings or nowadays WebExes or Zoom calls. How do you institute day-to-day processes or organizational changes to make this concept part of yours and your team's everyday life?
1: Absolutely. So... When we get a request for a project, we first start to define what is the problem we're trying to solve. So the problem cannot be implement this re- digital x-ray equipment or do this. The question is, in a certain market, we want to take care of this type of patients quicker. So how can we do that? And only then do we start to say, what is the outcome we're trying to generate? And then we get to what is a solution. Before an IT, we would say, The outcome of this project is that we implement X. That doesn't make a difference for my patients. At the end of the day, now we're saying we want to reduce the cost to run the business by X, or we want to make sure that the patients who can't afford it get an answer, that they get charity care quicker. And that's the beginning point and the end point of whatever project we do. And then we go back, what do we need to do to achieve that end goal? So we keep focused on the end goal continuously. And we discuss that as a team. And for example, when we review projects, the second slide always is what is the outcome we're trying to generate? And only after that do we go into the more tactics to get there. And we need that because, like you said, we're all running from meeting to meeting. And, oh, are we going to miss this milestone? So we need to ground ourselves in the end goal of what we're trying to achieve continuously.
0: I I appreciate that. And, you know, having that constant reminder with with the second slide, I think you said, uh, of your meetings. Um, can can really keep that at the at the forefront. So I, I mentioned this earlier in queuing up the topic, but there's definitely not a lack of problems to solve in healthcare. So you know, how do you and your teams go about finding the right problems to solve?
1: I would say number one, that is what we call the consultancy model. So we're really close was, I would not call them our customers, they're our internal business partners. So we sit with them and as they go through their strategic planning, we're an integral part of that. So if this is a revenue cycle, for example, we can say, we want to reduce denials or we want to increase the digital percentage of digital payments we receive from our patients. So that's how we define what problems do we want to solve, but also which ones can we solve? Because some of them you have to accept that just a result of the reimbursement system or other issues we have. So when we decide that we can solve something, then we collaboratively define what is the end state, what is the outcome we want to achieve, and then we end up going to I would say solutioning out how we get there. And what's interesting is technology is maybe a sort of the solution. It always comes down to people, process and technology, and normally in that sequence. And it's interesting, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Technology is often the catalyst, but it's not often the solution.
0: Understood. As someone who's worked both in the software vendor space, working for Epic, in the consulting space, I definitely get what you're saying about technology being the catalyst, but not the entire solution. So in looking at at the problems that you're faced with and coming up with these solutions, what are the governance models or prioritization systems uh, that you use to make sure that you're addressing the right problems at the right time?
1: So we use governance, and there is a formal governance process. But if you look at it, at the various business leadership groups, we tend to prioritize every two to four weeks. And as these different forums mature, what we see is that our operational leaders, what was in their own group, kind of filter what things are really impactful. They will bring them to this governance council where we sit together and say, well, this we can solve. And that problem it would be nice to solve but it's a little bit big for example if somebody says i want to solve population health um well that's great but that's like solving world peace so then you say well why don't we chip away at it why don't we take a sliver of it which is impactful so in the example of population health so people will say well i want a dashboard to see this and my answer is always a dashboard doesn't solve anything it will show you reality so why don't we turn it around why don't we pick one disease state and say for that disease state, for these patients, we want the clinician to do something different based on information we give them. So if we solve it at a micro level for that individual clinician's decision, we can then scale it up. And guess what? At the end of it, then you need a dashboard because you can see at a macro level how much of a difference all the little micro decisions made. But so it's about Solving the right problem, but also picking the right scope, something which is bite-sized enough that you can get it done in two to three months and then continue to build on it. If you do that well, then you get to a state where we sit with our business partners and they will say, I think I want to solve something in that area. For example, we really need to improve the coding efficiency and revenue cycle. Okay. And then we will have people walk the floor Look at the opportunities, come back with a list, and then sit together. What can we do operationally? Where we can, can we help with technology? Pick a few areas, determine the outcome, task it out and get it done, and just build a cycle and do it again and again. That's also the way to build credibility. I don't want to be in the business of saying no. I want to sit with my business partners and prioritize together. And by definition, the most valuable things to them and the things we can get done will flow to the top and we'll do them together. And then in the long term, what you see is that your business partners will say, I know this request came in, but let's not do it. It's not the most important thing for me. And that is success because then it's not IT determining, but it's us together determining what's important to our company.
0: So what, one of the things I'm hearing there is, you know, really it's a, it's a partnership approach. Your operational team or, or your customers, you know, are helping you to uh, identify what those problems are and the importance of solving them. Um, but you're also having to feed in into the decision process what the effort level is, or you know what your resource constraints are in solving those problems. Um, so you know, that that uh that concept of, of value versus effort uh, makes sense. And you know, in in my past, you know, I've seen all sorts of models. I think I think the effort value equation is is one of the best. Um, you know the squeaky wheel model as an example um is, is probably not one of the best where the, the loudest person in the room gets gets their problem solved um, uh so so that that's helpful uh, that you know in, in what you're explaining or, or what I'm understanding you saying um you're you're looking both at the at the value uh to your end customers and the effort level
1: you you're right, and what's interesting. We just had this in one of our business units. We got to a point where we said, if we would only have, I think, five or six more people for six months, we could generate this much value. And we said, based on the dollars, it's absolutely a no-brainer. We should do this. So we just literally put it on a single PowerPoint slide. My business unit leader, me, sat with our CFO and said, if we do X, we will get return Y. And he said, yes, go do it. So then we were able to get funding to do the additional work. Without really having to go and ask for funding, it was just so obvious that we would miss an opportunity for SSM if we wouldn't do it. And with that partnership, you get to that level that it's not IT coming to ask for funding. It's there's this opportunity for this cost. Is it worth it or not? And that's where we want to be as an organization.
0: Great. Great. Well, well, I I want to shift a little bit into talking about, you know, how you measure or identify the value that you're creating. You know, we're talking about solving these problems, uh, but I think the measurement of the value created is is an important part of the equation that's probably more often than not missed. And I think a big reason for that is is just how busy everyone is. You know, IT and operations are, are swamped with requests like we've talked about. And I know that it can be a challenge to take the time to, to stop, you know, pause, measure the results of each project. Instead, what I see is that you know, most organizations I work with, they finish one project, they move on to the next one, you know, rinse and re- repeat type model. So how do you change this mindset and really define up front what those KPIs are uh, or metrics are? and then measure those improvements once you've finished an initiative?
1: So that's a, that's a great question. And it's something we've, we've defined about 12 to 18 months ago, where before we start an initiative, we really define the outcome we want to achieve. And then how do we measure it? What are leading and trailing indicators? And so we do this for the larger initiatives before we actually start, before we prioritize them. So people commit to it. To give you an example on a revenue cycle improvement, we did the chief revenue officer and me. We went to our CIO, a CFO, and we signed on the dotted line, putting our names below it that we're accountable for the outcome we expect. So then, as we go through, we measure: do we see the leading indicators change? And in some cases, we don't, and we'll say, how do we pivot within the constraints of the project to make sure that we get the outcome, get the results we want? This has meant. Not often, but sometimes it means that you say after 20% of the project, you have to stop an initiative because you're just not moving the needle. But it's better to determine that early in the project with a little bit of sunk cost than to continue till the end, say, I was successful, but I've still wasted 80% of the project cost for the organization. So it's really about building that discipline in. And what we do in many cases, if the amount is a little bit larger, we ask finance to be the one tracking it for us they're a semi-independent group um where we work with a partner which we're actually negotiating out another contract right now we've asked our internal audit group to be the you know kind of the third party referee because we need to find a way that everybody says well i accept these measurements because otherwise it's too easy to you know make it look positive for one party that doesn't help ssm as a whole
0: there seems to definitely be a growing interest in risk-based engagements like what you're talking about. It's an area that I'm watching closely and I'm hopeful that the momentum in that area will help solve some of the bigger problems faced by the industry. I wanna dig a little bit more into this question around metrics. At SSM, do you have a set of metrics that you consistently use or do you define them specifically or tailor them to each individual initiative?
1: So the answer is yes and no. We have a set of organizational strategic objectives. So all of our projects will map to that, but often that's indirect. So you have a few standard ones. One of them is margin increase. So that's then either you increase your revenue or you decrease your cost. There's also patient satisfaction, physician
0: satisfaction, patient safety. There's a list of those. Well, we expect to have
1: $100,000 less banking cost, and then we can benchmark against it. Are we starting to hit the numbers we've committed to? So it's project specific, but it will always tie back to our strategic pillars as an organization.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I want to cover one last topic before we wrap up here, and that's where and how partners fit into the picture as you're building this problem-solving oriented culture. I imagine that it's possible that the way you bring in external partners could be different before or after uh, building this type of organization. So, Edward, can you talk about how or if the way you work with partners changes as as you build this type of culture?
1: Absolutely. And for us, partners like Divergent are key in moving forward. We cannot do everything in-house for several reasons. A, the investments will be too high. As you talked about the lower margin and our primary reason for being is to take care of our population. So if we can use an outside partner to apply what works for other health systems or other companies, we don't have to make the beginning mistakes and pay the price for that. So that's one for us to have less risk during innovation and a more guaranteed return. The other thing is also partners will bring ideas to us. I've seen this concept work at ABC. Would that work at SSM? So we also have external partners coming with IDs. And then certainly, in certain cases, we do, do joint ventures, where we say together as an external party, um, for example, Paladina Care, we've worked together to provide um, a concierge-like service for um, primary care physicians. It's a partnership where it works. We cannot do everything ourselves as a health system these days. So yes, the historic concept of not invented here is definitely gone. And we're getting better at it um, to do that together and build out that ecosystem for us to take in and do innovation with less risk and less upfront investment for SSM.
0: So it, it sounds like the way that you work with partners might not change, but maybe just the way that you think about when or where to bring in partners uh, could could be adjusted slightly when you're thinking more about the value created. Um, as opposed to, you know, checking tasks or projects off of a request list. Did I understand that correctly?
1: Yes, that's absolutely, the partnership is becoming more strategic. So it's more together, we can create additional value. and We can each capture part of that versus where maybe 20 years or 10 years ago, we would make the full investment ourselves, whether it was going to work out or not. So I think healthcare is changing and Partners have an important role in that because as the cost pressures continue, we need to find a way to, I would really say, innovate at scale and with an acceptable risk to the healthcare organization itself.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, well, Edward, I know that I and our listeners appreciate you sharing your perspectives on this topic. I just want to thank you again for being with us today. Have a great one.
1: My pleasure. Enjoyed being here. Have a great day too.